Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Welcome to Understanding the Bible with Pastor Stephen. This is episode 53, Going to Hell in a Handbasket, but don't worry. So there's lots going on in this world that can cause anxiety and fear. And literally at times when you look at the news and you see what's going on in the world, you feel like the world's going to hell. And it is. It is. Figuratively, spiritually, and in every way. And just for example, there's Ukraine and Russia. Uh, There's the whole Jeffrey Epstein thing, the pedophiles running the world. You know, all the people that went to his island and not a single person has been prosecuted or even named. We know that pedophiles are running countries all over the world. There's the intentional inflation destroying our livelihoods, the value of our dollar. Every time you go to the store, the gas station, things are more expensive. Criminals are being released from prisons all over the country. There's states that are giving no bail for violent crimes where they can just, okay, show up for your hearing and we'll see if you're guilty or not. And they let them go. We're, we're losing our freedoms all around the world via stolen elections and many other things that you could get overwhelmed with all the evil in the world and, and the anxiety and fear that that produces in your life. So I wanted to mention a couple of valid uh, reasons for having that, uh, you know, not to mention the things I just said, but according to the Bible, there are several reasons that people had anxiety and, and a fear of, of the future. And then the Bible tells us how to deal with it. So today, the point is, you can look at the world around you, you can see a bleak future, you can see problems specifically in your life, and overcome that anxiety and not worry. Here are a few stories in the Bible that you might want to research. Genesis 32, Jacob was returning home after years of being away, um, after he had betrayed his brother. And his brother Esau, uh, he is told, is coming to meet him with 400 strong men, armed men. Jacob obviously feared for his life. And then, of course, part of this was guilt. And you'll see how he dealt with that to try and uh, calm his brother down before he actually met him. So potentially he responded the wrong way. But Jacob definitely had a valid fear due to the guilt and shame of what he had done and the fact that there was a real threat to his life, these 400 armed men coming with his brother, right? Then the second one I wanted to bring up was uh, 1 Samuel uh, 1. Hannah couldn't have a child. She was taunted by her husband's other wife. Obviously, that's going to create stress and anxiety in any woman's life for multiple reasons. Not to mention, of course, the physical fact that she couldn't have a child. Then there's a third one in Esther, the book of Esther, chapter four, specifically Queen Esther fears for her life as she's going before the king to try and save the entire Jewish race. Esther had a valid fear for her life, right? Keep in mind in those days, the queen didn't enter 
the throne room unless the king called for her. So by her going in there, she was literally taking her life in her hands because the king could just have her killed because how dare she walk into the throne room. And then in Matthew eight twenty six, uh, when Jesus and the disciples went out on the boat and he went to sleep and the storm started up and the disciples were scared for their life. And Jesus said to them, why are ye fearful? O ye of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea and there was a great calm. So fear of the unknown, fear of death, fear of the future, obviously the anxiety that you get from stress, from being guilty about something you did, being ridiculed by other people, uh, shame, lots, lots of different reasons for anxiety or fear or worry about the future, right? Usually these things arise, anxiety and fear, worry about the future arises from a valid concern. Usually, sometimes it's irrational fear, right? But usually it's a valid concern. So how to deal with it? And, and this is the whole crux of the matter. And, and there's a few things in the Bible um, that I wanted to cover. And I wanted to give credit uh, to my friend, Mr. Mendez, for giving me a lot of these Bible verses uh, while I read these to, or when I read these to you. So one logical thing to throw out there in regards to a worry of the future, uh, if you do have a fear for something rational, say you move to a, a tornado prone area of the country, you know, maybe like the Bible Belt, Belt area or something like that, which I know when I lived in Springfield, Missouri, there's lots of tornadoes every year. That's a rational concern, right? It's something it could tear your house up. It could kill you. So you have fear for your finances, fear for your livelihood, fear for your life itself. Um, so that constant fear anytime there's a storm, right? So that is not irrational. That is a valid concern. So what we have to do, and, and as a logical male, this is what I like to think about. Um, and I'll get to the Bible verses here in a second. But prepare. Use the resources God has given you to acknowledge that concern to that fear and deal with it to the best of your ability. So maybe build a storm shelter or uh, maybe go to the basement, but you do what you can and then give it to God because you can't change whether a tornado comes or not. You have no control over the tornado. Only God does. Now you can have a plan. Hey, if I see a tornado, I'm going to hop in my car and go to my parents' house. Or I'm going to hop in the car and go to a tornado shelter at, at a school or a church or wherever, you know, find out where one is in your city, right? You know, you can have a, a bug out bag and be like, I'm going to throw this bag with water and food and a change of clothing and some supplies, you know, flashlight and stuff in my car. And I'm just going to get out of the city or, you know, whatever you can do to prepare, have a valid plan using the resources God has given you, using the brain God has given you to prepare for that uncertain future. You can't change where that tornado is going to go. So that is a worry that you can't control. So why have it? So that's my logical take on worry is acknowledge it, plan for it, deal with it, and then forget about it. Now, what the Bible says about worry and fear is that you need to constantly have your mind on the Bible, on God, on God's word, on Jesus Christ, on the hope uh, that he gives you. 
right? So let me read two Bible verses to you. Psalms 32 verse 8, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto you. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord. So, number one, instruction, teaching from the Bible so that God can guide you. Don't be a dumb horse or a mule and trust in God, and then you can be happy. So you've got to be in the Bible to gain that instruction and that knowledge and that teaching of who God is. If you're not in the Bible, if you don't know those things about God, how can you trust in him? Then the second uh, passage on reading the Bible constantly is Deuteronomy 6, 6. And these words, which I command you this day shall be in your heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand and thou, they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. The precepts of God, the Bible verses of God need to be in your heart. You need to be able to teach them to your children. You need to be able to talk about them. You need to be able to live by them. When you lie down, you think about them. When you get up in the morning, you think about the Bible verses. So much so that it's written on your heart and as frontlets between your eyes. Now, I had to look that up. I didn't know what a frontlet was, but it's referring to like a headband or a fillet, fillet for the forehead, which was the idea of an ornament or, or a, a decorative piece that goes around your head for like a virgin that's about to be married or something. Um, it's the idea that it's, it's obvious and it is before your eyes. You can feel it. You know it's there all the time. I'm not going to get into the Jewish laws and things like that in regards to what they did with that. The point is that the knowledge of God, the precepts, his commandments, his promises in the Bible needs to be at the forefront of your mind, obvious to you, always thinking about them because you can't help it. Well, the only way that's going to happen is if you're reading the Bible all the time. So that's how you deal with worry. God does have the answers. And, and I'm not going to get into the uh, worldly psychologists and the antidepressants and chemicals and, and, and all that crap, because all I've got to say about that is, Number one, they don't acknowledge God. They don't acknowledge that God has the answers for life's problems. And they try and mask the symptoms with drugs, but they never deal with the issue of what is causing the anxiety or the depression or the worry. Okay. So that's all I'm going to say about that. But you need to understand that God does have the answers and you've got to read the Bible to find those answers. Now, the main number one answer, you know, in, in Christianity, if, you, if you're a believer, the one, number one answer for everything, if, if you're asked a question in church, what's the answer? Jesus Christ. So in this case, having faith in Jesus Christ, specifically him, is the answer to worry. Okay, look at uh, Matthew 8 when he calmed the storm. He said in verse 26, why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. He did not worry about the storm. God knew what he was going to do. He had full control of nature, right? 
So the first thing he did was he rebuked the people that were worried, the 12 disciples on the boat that were freaking out. And he told them the answer to the worry about a storm on the ocean was have faith. O ye of little faith. The answer to nature, even the tornadoes, is to have faith in God. Faith in Jesus Christ. Philippians 4.19 But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus will take care of us. And if he chooses to let us die by the tornado or whatever, then he's taking care of us because his blood on the cross has paid for our sins and now we're in heaven. You can't be any better off than in heaven. So let's look at 2 Corinthians 13. It's a long passage. I'd recommend you read the whole thing, but I'm going to start in verse 3. Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you is not weak, but is mighty in you. For though he was crucified through weakness... Yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God towards you. So you may be weak, you may have problems in life, right? But through Jesus Christ, we can have power. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, unless you be reprobates. But I trust that you know that we are not reprobates. So verse five, examine yourselves and then prove yourselves whether you have faith. Introspection is a key of worry and anxiety. Why are you worried? Who do you have faith in? Do you know that you have faith in Jesus Christ? And then do you act on it? All right, verse seven. Now I pray to God that you do no evil, nor that we should appear approved, but that you should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. So then in whatever situation you're in, do something that is honest. Don't just sit on your hands and worry. Get up and do something. Honest work towards solving the problem. Or if you can't, then do honest work around your house. Do honest work for your kids, for your family. In whatever you do, fight for truth. So that's verse eight. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. And the number one truth that you know as a believer in Jesus Christ and the Bible is that the Bible is true, God has the answers for everything, and that in the end, Jesus Christ wins and you'll be in heaven. So that is like the core truth that you need to hold to when you are anxious or worried or fearful about the future. If, if you can't get to any other truth or any honest work that will solve your problem, if you can't do anything, then cling to the truth of who Jesus Christ is that you have placed your faith in and that he will see you through to heaven. Verse 9, For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. And this also we wish, even your perfection. Therefore, I write these things, being absent, lest being present, I should use sharpness, according to the power which the Lord has given me to edification and not to destruction. So Paul is saying to them, I want to be sharp with you, and I would if I was there. So we need to be able to accept constructive criticism in our worry. 
when you are worried about something, seek out elders in the faith, people that you respect, people that have been through those things, people who have knowledge of God, and expect them to share things with you that will appear to be sharp and hurtful. And then just be an adult and accept constructive criticism and try to learn from them. Because he says he would do that through the power which the Lord has given him for the purpose of edifying or building up. You can't build on something that is false. So sometimes you have to be shown where you're wrong so that you can build yourself up and be better. And then verse 11, finally, brethren, farewell, be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. Remember that God is with you if you're a believer. You have the Holy Spirit. So the first thing that we need to do is read the Bible. Second thing, obviously, with the knowledge of the Bible, then we have to have faith in Jesus Christ. And then we need to focus on what is good, not what is bad. Philippians 4, 6 through 9 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, Think on these things, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Do not focus on the trial. Do not focus on the bad. Find something to smile about. Find something that is peaceful and honest and true and just and lovely and of good report and virtuous, praiseworthy. Think on those good things. That is how you control your mind. That is how you eliminate worry. I'll tell you what, man, when I lost my job, I lost my career over a decade flying planes with the army. And you know what? My wife and I decided to focus on what was good. And we took time to spend as a family going on a vacation to the ocean and to visit family and friends. And then when I got back, I worried about finding a job. Now, I wasn't stupid. I didn't just let everything go. We had a savings. We had a, like a six-month plan. We, you know, we had planned for things like this in our life. We just didn't expect it to actually happen. It didn't devastate us. We weren't worried. But we had faith in God that he was going to take care of us. Maybe not today. Maybe not next week. But he was going to take care of us. Eventually, we'd find something. And sure enough, God took care of us. And then another verse is Romans 14, 17 through 22. It says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. Edify means to build up, to help, to encourage. For meat destroys not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself himself, 
in that thing with which he alloweth. So a couple of things in Romans here that is talking about. Number one is focus on the righteousness, peace, and joy that comes with the Holy Ghost. If you serve God, you can have those things. Peace and joy, not worry and fear. So find a way to serve God. Focus on good things and edify someone else. So if you can help somebody else while you are worried and anxious for the future, you can actually encourage them and bring the joy of God into their life. And by giving or by helping someone else, you actually receive peace and joy. And then the other thing is this is talking about eating meat offered to idols versus not eating meat offered to idols and condemning people versus being happy with the things that you have. And that last verse, do you have faith? Have it yourself before God. Again, it's referencing on your focus should be on your faith in God. And then it says, happy is he. This is telling us that we have freedom in Christ and you can be happy when you focus on Christ and when you have faith in him, not in the things around you, not in your job, not in your house, not in your cars. So you have to understand that sometimes the things we focus on, we could really do without. We don't need them. It's not a big deal. All right. So what we've learned so far is there's lots of reasons to be scared, to have worry, to be anxious about the future, right? But the Bible says we need to have faith in Jesus Christ and we need to read the Bible and we need to focus on good things. And lastly, if you still have any worry left over, the Bible tells us to give it up to God. There's no reason to hold on to that last bit of worry or anxiety. The one verse that you'll, you maybe have heard a lot is cast all your cares on him, right? It's first Peter five, seven through 10. It says, casting all your cares upon him for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, steadfastness, right? In your faith, that means you are strong, sure of your faith, and you will stand up and resist. So with all the evil in the world and all the bad things that happen, just stand up against it knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Other people are going through this. You're not alone. And then verse 10, but the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. You can be at peace, but you may have to go through a little suffering. So you just have to accept it. Give it up to God because you know that God actually loves you and cares for you. The second big passage that is talked about quite a bit is don't worry about tomorrow, right? Tomorrow will take care of itself. You may have heard that. That's Matthew 6. Matthew six twenty five through 34 says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than clothing? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? The birds have food. They don't even work. God still gives them food to eat. 
God cares about us more than he cares about birds. Don't worry. Verse 27. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Again, that focus on faith. You still have to put your faith into practice. You still should work. You should attempt to work. You still have to do and use the resources God has given you. You can't just sit there and cry out to God and God's going to miraculously make everything appear for you through no effort of your own. God gave you arms and legs. God gave you a mouth. God gave you a brain. You need to use the things God gave you, right? But then don't worry about whether or not God will supply your needs because he has said that he will. Verse 31, therefore take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knows that you have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. God already knows what your needs are. You can cry out to God. God can handle it, but we cannot worry about tomorrow. You handle yourself wisely today, reading the Bible, doing what needs to be done, taking care of your responsibilities, focusing on the good things. Remember to think about all the things that are good and lovely and honest and virtuous. Do honest things. Trust in God. Have faith in him. Read the Bible. And if you still have any little bit of worries left over, just cast your cares on him. Let him deal with it. God's got bigger shoulders than you and I do. God can handle it all. I hope this helps you. There is nothing that God cannot handle. And you are God's and you have the Holy Spirit. We do not need to be fearful if we put our faith in Jesus Christ. The worst that can happen to you is that you die. And where will you end up? If you have faith in Jesus Christ, you will end up in heaven where there are no more tears, no worries, no fear, heaven with God himself. So on that note, may God bless you. Go out there, do good things, and smile. Be happy. Help somebody else. Teach your children. Do something fun. Focus on the good. And I hope you have a wonderful week. Until next time, may God bless you.